0: welcome to this week's episode of let's get lunch today i'm so excited to have my very very special guest here we met two years ago traveling to florence and oxford she's also just a general seasoned traveler a yoga instructor a political activist she's a project manager for many nonprofit organizations i have my good friend jen hi jen
1: hi i'm so excited that we get to catch up today because oh we haven't we haven't face to face or zoom to zoom caught mm-hmm. up in a long time
0: it's been a very long time i'm so i've literally been so excited for this like all week Yay. it's always just fun getting to sit down and talk to people so yeah. here let's get lunch we start every episode the same way we have like a key tradition we do an icebreaker. so i want mm-hmm. you to sit so i want you to say your name your mm-hmm. favorite place to travel and I want you to build your perfect sandwich. I'll go so that you can get time to think. So for like the third week now, it's gonna be the same every episode. Hi, my name is Evan. My favorite place to travel. I love going to London. Anytime I've just been to really the UK and England in general, I loved it. And my perfect sandwich would be, it's on a Kaiser roll, grilled chicken, lettuce and shredded lettuce and tomato, Melted cheddar cheese and like a chipotle mayo.
1: Ooh, I like. I am one of those people who needs hot sauce on everything I eat, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm into the chipotle mayo. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? Well, I'm Jen. My favorite place to travel um, is probably Southeast Asia. I lived in Southeast Asia for ten years. I moved back to the U.S. about two and a half, coming up on three years ago. And so for me. Um, going back to Southeast Asia to visit in some ways feels like home. You know, I spent about a third of my life there um, at the time I moved back. So, so I love to go there. I love going places new, but going there is like a special feeling of going home, even though it wasn't the home I was born into. And Oh, my perfect sandwich. I, I, I'm not a vegetarian, but I eat a lot of vegetarian stuff. So I think I'd go like a grilled veggie sandwich. I think I'd like um, like a nice focaccia bread, maybe a mm-hmm. rosemary focaccia bread grilled. And I definitely want something like, yeah, like a good, like a pesto mayo or some kind oh, of nice sauce like that. And then I some love nice. Pesto. Yeah, some. Yeah, I want like a little bit more of like a. a kind of like fattening sauce like I love hummus but I don't Mm -hmm. that's not what I want on my perfect sandwich so like a pesto mayo and then some nice like grilled veggies grilled zucchini roasted red pepper stuff like that and definitely cheese just Mm -hmm. some kind of cheese for sure like a fancy cheese too
0: I think pesto is like one of the most perfect things because like yeah. you can eat it like if you have like a pesto pasta, you can have that same like
1: indulgent. It oh, <laughs> it it's so
0: bad. I have not ate all day, and it's like three o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> but it's fine. It we're we're thriving, but pesto is great because like you have that same indulgent taste of like mm-hmm. Italian food because like it's it's like cheesy and it's kind of hearty but it's not rich like flavor. uh-huh but it's not horrible for you or like you can at least yeah, feel yeah sometimes good I about just dip it.
1: crackers in it like it's a dip oh I'm God. like oh, I need a little snack and it's just like it's so savory it has that nice like punch of flavor
0: this is like the last thing I should be talking about right now because like now my mind just because you're starving <laughs> uh-huh, but it's fine now the other thing we like to ask because the whole yeah. idea behind let's get lunch here is Nothing is more casual than sitting down to get lunch with a friend. So you're catching up with someone, whether it's like your best friend who you saw two days ago or an old friend, and whenever you meet them, it's like normal. And you're going out to lunch. Where's a place you'd like to take them and why? Like a, a good lunch spot.
1: Ooh. You know, n- now being summer and like regardless of the pandemic and restrictions around restaurants, I, I feel like outdoor, like I love outdoor dining and so i don't have a specific place in mind but i do love the feeling of those kind of bistros with outdoor Mm -hmm. seating in the summer so i'm not in new york city obviously but i grew up on the east coast i spent a lot of time in new york city um i love in the summer just like sitting outdoors and and being able to people watch while i'm having my lunch so that's that's kind of i don't have a specific place but that's that's what i want with Mm -hmm. my friend we can sit there we're in the sun i love the sun it's warm i love the heat uh, and we're the, chatting and people watching on a summer day.
0: Those bistro's where it's like the that like cast iron furniture, and it's like it's not mm. comfortable, but you're like it's such like a great place like you don't care like you'll excuse like those uncomfortable and then when you have to like pull the seat out and make so much noise and everyone just stares at you (laughs) like one of those places they're great
1: yeah and i love i mean i love it in a place like new york because you just have there's just like so many different people walking around there's Mm -hmm. great people watch people with like amazing style like just such a range Mm -hmm. so it's never boring
0: I, i love the city So let's get into some current events. There's a lot happening. There's one thing I definitely want to highlight, and I think I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about. I'm not sure if you're a fan of the show or if you know the show RuPaul's Drag Race.
1: This I def- know of it. Well, RuPaul's been around forever. Uh-huh. Oh, so my I, like, An RuPaul icon. dates back to when I was in high school oh, in the God. 90s, dating myself here. But <laughs> I actually, I actually don't watch TV, so I haven't seen the show, mm-hmm. but um, I know RuPaul. And I've seen, I've seen clips of it on YouTube. Mm-hmm.
0: This is definitely a little bit more of a sad story, but it's something that I definitely wanted, at least briefly mention. Unfortunately, yesterday, one of the former contestants, season eight and all-star three, she she, she Devane she passed away mm. it was really unfortunate I mean she was one of those queens that like she won America's heart because like as the seasons got on she was one of the more she was on one of the later seasons like these queens would walk in with like these custom-designed costumes, these huge budgets, and they'd be from, like, They're New like York City. They're, like,
1: works
0: of art. Uh-huh. Like some of these They, like, turn these,
1: themselves into a work of art. Mm-hmm.
0: These queens from, like, these larger cities, like New York, Chicago, L.A., even, like, the queens who are in, like, the large cities in Texas have a greater, have greater access to resources than, some, than someone like Chichi, who's from the middle of nowhere of Louisiana. She's from, like, some very small town Louisiana, and she had one of those amazing stories where she, like, came from nothing but She won everyone's heart. She was just such a phenomenal competitor. Mm -hmm. Probably one of the best performers, I think, that has ever been on the show. Yeah. So right now, the community is mourning a loss.
1: Yeah, I'm sure the loss Mm -hmm. of just, like, a beautiful human.
0: Mm -hmm. So rest in peace, Chi-Chi. Never forgotten one of the best performers genuinely to ever be on that show. She did this great lip sync. She was in the bottom two for an episode. She did this great lip sync to, and I'm telling you, I'm not going... From, you know, from mm. Dream Girls. Yeah, and yeah. It was. She was in this like gown. Had these necklaces going down the back of her neck, like fully beaded. It. it was like the climax of the song, and she's down on the ground. She gets up and accidentally snaps her necklaces. The beads fall everywhere. Like <laughs> such an amazing, like accidental, powerful moment.
1: Yeah.
0: Probably one of the best moments. Super memorable.
1: On, mm-hmm. mm.
0: on a much lighter note, but also not at the same time. You know. <laughs> Uh, I think we definitely talk about the post office is under attack, but I want to talk about yeah. something attack. <laughs> uh, yeah, what isn't at this point, but something that kind of brought a smile to my face just seen on Twitter. I love Cher. I love her so much. Mm. And if you don't follow her on Twitter, I highly recommend it because
1: Okay. She has, What did she tweet?
0: <laughs> um Cher is attempting to volunteer at the post office.
1: Oh, amazing. Uh-huh. I think it's some, um, there's it, it, there's probably a fair amount of training. I don't think yes, it's, they... the post office is efficient as hell. I mean, their operations mm-hmm. are like, it's been around forever, uh, centuries, I think. I mm-hmm. I remember um, I, when I worked in Southeast Asia, I worked for a lot of Australian companies. And so I had a lot of Australian friends and I dated some Australians. I was back in Australia, um, visiting there once, my boyfriend at the time, staying with his family, and he had to um, mail something, Mm -hmm. and he was like, oh, we need to go drop it off the post office, and I was like, can you just put it in your mailbox, and like, the person, the post person will come by and pick it up and mail Mm -hmm. it, and he was like, what? No, and I was like, really? I was like, in the, in the, and he lived in a city in the capital of Mm -hmm. Australia, and I will say, I mean, This isn't a critique of Australia because there's a lot of things I think Australia does better than us, like Uh their free healthcare system. But anyway, um, he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I mean, in the U.S., six days a week, um, the mail gets delivered. And my parents live in a semi-rural area. I'm like, yeah, six days a week, mail gets delivered to my parents' mailbox. And if we send anything outgoing, we just put it in. And uh, we have a mail lady, she comes, picks it up and takes it out. I was like, that's all you have to do. Like, I only have to go to the post office if I'm mailing a package. And so I, and like, I've had other Australian friends were like, wow, yeah, no, that's not, we don't have that. And then I lived in other countries that like Uh absolutely did not have a postal infrastructure. So um, we're very lucky to have Mm -hmm. the postal system we have. It's one of those things that, you know, you never think about it until mm-hmm. it's not working and then you're like oh my god we really depend on this and i find that actually about a lot of government and i remember at the beginning of the pandemic hearing um andrew cuomo talking about how like in a perfect world government is just kind of humming along and you're not even really noticing it mm-hmm. and the time you really need it is when you have these disasters and that's where like government mm-hmm. really just needs to like step in and take care of stuff and so yeah, I mean, in our day-to-day, the post office is humming along, doing all this work, delivering, like, think of the online shopping revolution that's oh happened my in the God. Past 20 years and the Amazon revolution and stuff. And um, we don't think twice about it until mm-hmm. something changes or something goes wrong or it's at risk of um, being damaged.
0: I mean, like, literally me, like, tre- checking all my tracking numbers from, like, things I have being sent here for college or being sent to my dorm for mm-hmm. a move-in. It's, like, it, you really don't realize how important, like, the USPS is so important. and Right. We, and I think that another American national treasure, share the fact that she wants to save it, just makes it even better. So I'm going to, I the most important thing about Cher's tweets is her, uh, the way she writes things out. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, like, I'm a very big Cher fan. I saw the Cher show on Broadway. So, I'm gonna oh, pretend man. like I'm a like I'm a Cher historian. But it turns out she's very she's very <laughs> dyslexic. I love it. She talks about how she's is very dyslexic. So, I'm gonna read to her tweets with how it's also punctuated and written out. So, okay, this is in all caps and no comma. I'm no kidding. Dot 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 could I volunteer at my post office with the emoji that's the red exclamation point next to the red question mark. Then she goes, is no one going to help me with post office also in all caps with the eye roll emoji. And then this is my favorite one. Now every few words the first letter is capitalized even if it's not the beginning of the sentence but it it is in a mix of uppercase and lowercase. She then tweets, okay, comma." called to, the number two by the way, post offices in Malibu, period. They were polite, period. I said, quote, hi, this is Cher, comma, and I would like to know if you take volunteers, exclamation point, question mark emoji. Lady said she didn't know and gave me then the number sign of supervisor, period. I called and said, hi, this is Cher. Do you accept volunteers? And no, need, no common need, fingerprints and background check. And then the emoji where there's like a sweat drop going down the cheek. Yeah. I, I don't think I know how to respond if like, <laughs> I'm just at the, I'm working my job at the post office and I get a phone call. And the first thing I hear is, hi, this is Cher.
1: You would definitely think it was a prank call. Oh,
0: I was talking about with my sister. Someone
1: just messing around.
0: Um, who's like, probably, she's definitely a bigger Cher fan than I am. Yeah. She was like, I'd freak out. I said, I'd probably hang up because I think someone is like messing with me.
1: Yeah. I would be like, and then I'd turn to my coworkers and be like, okay, this like crazy person called today trying to say they were Cher. I love her. It's so earnest that she actually picked Mm -hmm. up a phone and dialed a number of a local post office Mm -hmm. and said, can I volunteer? But you know, just by being who she is and like telling that, she's, that's the power that she has, and the mm-hmm. impact that she can have. Probably more than if she actually volunteered. Uh-huh. Her impact as someone who amplifies the importance mm-hmm. of um, the post mm-hmm. office is is a lot. Is valuable.
0: It's also just so funny because, like, you think, like, at least I think about like when you look at those celebrities like Cher or even like Madonna, Diana Ross. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to ask yourself like Do you think they realize? like who they are in that greater sense
1: probably I mean, like, not the way we think of them because, oh, because they've always just been themselves and I think like family members and friends of those people it's it's always just been themselves
0: mm-hmm. I feel like Cher maybe it might be a little different considering she she she's picks so up the fabulous phone. Uh-huh, she picks up the phone and goes this is Cher <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: and I think maybe like Madonna yeah. is someone who has that sense the of self-importance.
1: This that, is Beyonce. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: There's a great clip. It's like an old interview of like Beyonce. Kind of like, I think it's like 2007. I, she was on some talk show and the host goes, so you are Beyonce. And she just goes, thank you. <laughs> I mean, like, I can't even imagine being at that level of self-importance. But I also feel like if I was at, if I was her and I was at her level of self-importance, we're like, even like a Beyonce share, like they are phenomenal. Like Beyonce is a phenomenal artist, just like a phenomenal mm-hmm. creator,
1: performer. Yeah, creator, uh-huh. incredibly hard worker. I mean, everyone in that industry says she's like the hardest worker and mm-hmm. also the nicest person.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean, like you look at some of these celebrities who kind of have gotten to that inflated position. I mean, like look at Ellen, who's like on her downfall.
1: Right, right I know. I know this has been hard to watch, but Mm -hmm. um, it's important that when people that we like do bad things, we hold them accountable, not just Uh the people that we don't like, so.
0: I think that whole, like, all the celebrities posting, like, I stand with Ellen, she's nice. Like, it's kind of that whole situation where, like, I will complain to my parents about a teacher I had that was rude, but then they'll Mm -hmm. go to a parent-teacher conference, and the teacher's not going to be rude to my parents.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, if you're friends with a person, like they're nice to you. But it's important how people treat everybody, not mm-hmm. just. um In fact, some I might argue that it's more important how people treat mm-hmm. others that aren't their close friends. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, in the words of Ellen, treat people with kindness.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. A
0: little ironic, right now, but oh well. So, anyways, so what are some things you have been enjoying recently? Any, movies anything you've watched recently anything you're listening speaking, to right now
1: you know what i'm really so during coronavirus i'm really enjoying going for walks and i feel uh-huh. like i am just like heading straight into middle age it's funny because <laughs> i'm a runner i mm-hmm. i mean i ran competitively in high school in college and i've I run you know not a bunch but a handful of marathons and half marathons since then so i've always been a runner and there's some days i mean i think everyone we're we're just on this long-term emotional roller coaster and you have weeks where you're productive and you feel like you know it is what it is and i'm i'm just doing my thing and then you have other weeks where it's a little bit harder to get off the couch and you're one of my friends referred to um doom scrolling on twitter oh, and i was God. like that's the best word you're uh-huh. kind of like doom scrolling on social media and like i I've definitely had some Saturdays where I'm, I'm like, it's 2 p.m., 3 p.m. And I haven't done, I, I don't even, couldn't tell you what I've done today. Mm-hmm. So for me on those days when energy levels and like motivation and maybe just like overall emotional wellness seems a little mm-hmm. bit low, I'm like, just get off the couch and just get out the door and start walking. And if you want to come back after 20 minutes, come back for 20 minutes. And sometimes I've walked for like two hours and I live um, in downtown Oakland right near Lake Merritt and mm-hmm. so I walk around the lake and there's it's like good people watching it's it's just nice place to walk and so my thing that I've really been enjoying lately is just putting on my headphones putting on some podcast, and going mm-hmm. for a walk probably four or five days a week and I'll, well, I'll go out usually most times I'll go out for like an hour an hour and a half mm-hmm.
0: What are some of your favorite podcasts? I mean, I definitely know Let's oh, Get Lunch so is many. up there. I definitely know so Let's Get many. Lunch is a top five, maybe.
1: Top five. And obviously, I'm very honored to be on Let's Get Lunch mm-hmm. now. Um, I'm listening to, so I've always kind of um, leaned towards a lot of news or um, political mm-hmm. type podcasts. So um, as opposed to ones that are, or, like, or ones that are conversational. So as opposed to ones that are like stories, kind of mm-hmm. like fiction narratives and stuff. So um, I've been a long-time everyday listener of The Daily by The New York mm-hmm. Times. Um, there's a good one called Into America. Um, I think it's by MSNBC, and the host, Tremaine Lee, is great. He talks about a lot about a lot of racial and social justice issues. He's been a long-time reporter on race. Um, the New York Times is doing a short series right now. And it, this series also is a little bit the woman who produced it and is um, hosting it was also on NPR for a while, and it's called um, Nice White Parents. You might have heard of it. I feel like it's oh, I have, yeah. it. It's a five-part series. Um, and then there is, there's two kind of short daily news ones i listen to. One is an NPR one. It used to be called Coronavirus Daily, and now it's called Consider This. And it's a couple short news bites, but it's sort of dry and newsy. And mm-hmm. so then the fun pop culture version of that is one called What A Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the host, I think you would like it, Evan, you should listen to it. It's like 15 minutes long daily episode. two hosts. This woman, Aquila Hughes, is also a great social media follow. She's really funny. Mm-hmm. And then Gideon Resnick is the other host and they give, um, it's like 15 minutes, kind of some headlines and stuff from the day, but it's sort of like fun and pop, like their take on it is fun and pop culture mm-hmm. and kind of sassy, but it's not pop culture news. It's sort of right. like political news and stuff that's just going on current mm-hmm. events um so those are and then anything in the, the what a day is part of the crooked media group so they do like pod save America, Pod Save the people with mm-hmm. the ray mckesson it's really good um I, yeah and then i listen to a couple also wellness ones
0: mm-hmm. if i can recommend a podcast i think yes. i talk about it like i've talked about before my mom recommended it to me and i fell in love with it
1: Ooh, i mean like
0: it's definitely it? more pop culture but also kind of leans into that kind of like Discussing America. It's called Dolly Pardons America.
1: Oh, okay. Nice. It's
0: phenomenal. It's like nine
1: episodes, I want to say. Okay, so it's like a series.
0: Yeah. And this man, his father, so he's a journalist, and his father's a doctor. They're from, originally from Nashville, but they're uh, his parents immigrated, I think, from Lebanon. Mm-hmm. And, it, and basically, he got, like, one day, he got, him and, when, Do- like, a few years ago, Dolly Parton got into a car crash and was rushed to the hospital, and the doctor who took care of her was this man's father, and okay. because of the, and the doc, this man's father and Dolly Parton were super, super close, and by that, he then got to interview Dolly Parton. They created this whole long series just talking about her entire career, her impact on American culture, because it kind of stemmed from how, like, he went to one of her concerts, and you see people from, like, he saw people from all walks of life where it yeah, was like I
1: bet. She's just a legend.
0: I I love her so much. And like yeah. I, I already loved her as like a pop culture figure, but then hearing her talk about her life in this way and just hearing her entire story, it just made me love her even more.
1: Oh, I would like this. I like I do really like biography type mm-hmm. stuff as well. So, and she is a fascinating character. Uh-huh.
0: Oh my, she's I re, I watched 9 to 5 for the first time a few weeks ago
1: okay i've seen it
0: i mean like it's a corny it's a corny film from about the 80s like
1: yeah
0: so it was like it was quirky it was funny it was it's i mean jane fonda lily tomlin dolly Parton. how like how could it be bad
1: yeah exactly nice.
0: and then i think the best thing that's honestly helped me get through quarantine a lot and we'll still and i'm like Getting nervous because I'm running out of things like it. Just trashy mm-hmm. reality or just like escapism reality. Obviously. Like- oh
1: yeah, I watched a bit. I like binge watched a bit of like shitty Netflix at the mm-hmm. beginning. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> like uh, too hot to handle. I watched like <sighs> one episode and I was like, I feel like I'm like stupider from having watched this. It... And then obviously Tiger King and but mm-hmm. I love Cheer. Oh, the Navarro like, series. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love that. Was my favorite of the like. Binge things I watched at the beginning of the pandemic.
0: And I didn't. I've
1: kind of tapered off the Netflix. I didn't do I a lot thought, of binging. Oh yeah, go
0: ahead. Oh, I didn't do a lot of binging. I kind of like kept it yeah. today with shows I already watch. I mean, I somehow got. I turned my entire family into a fans of RuPaul's Drag Race.
1: Oh, good, theme.
0: nice. Uh huh. And then, what's been getting me through, unfortunately, the finales next week. Uh, it's so disgusting, and I hate the fact that I enjoy this so much. It's The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills.
1: Oh, but so many people love those shows. So, yeah. It's so, yeah. Good. It's I so know. good.
0: It's been I like have, weeks of yelling at Denise Richards. And like each week, I know it's just going to end up with her being frustrated and like walking away. And then all the women will be like, great. So nothing is resolved still. But like, I still tune in.
1: Yeah. One of my best ba- so I was saying I don't really watch TV, but one of my best best friends loves The Bachelor. And she mm-hmm. has a group of friends that they, when The Bachelor season or The Bachelorette has a new season, they watch each episode each week they like get together they have like a themed dinner sometimes the themed dinner they make is around like if the people on the show are like somewhere somewhere Mm -hmm. on on their travels, they might do a themed dinner around like the cuisine of that region Mm -hmm. and um her husband is always like he's like this is so funny it's a group of like five like highly educated women they're like lawyers or they're like Mm -hmm. they really high up positions at tech companies and stuff Mm -hmm. and he's like and they just they love to get together and like watch this tv show and i feel like real housewives has that similar effect like totally like it's viewership is all walks of life like Uh you know what i mean like everybody just loves it real housewives the bachelor and then this particular friend also really loves vanderpump rules
0: oh they're and they got in a lot of trouble that show i i hate to i think it might be getting canceled
1: oh really i don't know like, the The last i heard her talk about it was like a while ago mm-hmm. last year or something like that yeah. they always say the first two seasons are really good and then it went downhill mm-hmm.
0: but yeah i, I heard rumors that it man. might be getting canceled yeah. because of um uh when the media thought decided it was covering black lives matter even and now they want to pretend like it's not happening anymore right right um and a lot of People were coming out with stories about a lot of celebrities and a lot of people in high profiles, or just really people in general. A lot right. of pe- a lot of like the Vanderpumps rules, like, like classics, I guess you call them, or like the the staples there. Characters,
1: yeah, yeah, uh, were like had really discriminatory behavior. Yes. Wow,
0: well, that doesn't, and, uh, oh, surprise doesn't surprise me because
1: it doesn't surprise me. as highly intelligent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I,
0: I mean, I think of also like I watched a little. I think in the New York Times, did one of their like mini like fifteen minute YouTube documentaries about. Uh, one of their, well now uh, former employees. She was only on for one season. I think she only worked there for like one or two years. Her name's, I think her name's Billy. I don't remember her last name but like part of what made her so interesting as opposed to the rest of them because they're all a bunch of like rich white kids from California.
1: Oh yeah for sure. What
0: made her super, she was the first ever uh, transgender person to I think maybe not only be employed at the restaurant but also then make it onto like a reality tv format like that so it's just super interesting and she left after one season because of just very like
1: just the toxic environment yes. uh-huh like
0: very yeah uh, just poor practices around from the other from the other girls I remember one of the big storylines because I just watched I'll watch like youtube clips of it sometimes if I'm bored right. and like they purposefully excluded her out of like a girl's night oh that's
1: and, so lame
0: uh-huh and something like that can just like while your intention may not genuinely be transphobic, it really does not come off well. It,
1: but then, what is your intention? You know, those are the exactly. questions that have to be asked. Like, what, what is? You know, what other reason really, is? You got to dig into that and say, okay, well, what reason is there that feels like a, mm-hmm. if if you're trying to be an inclusive person, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I saw a tweet recently, or like a, you know, like a Instagram picture of a tweet or something that was on the long the lines of like. Do you know who I'm, like, more afraid of? Not the trans woman in the woman's bathroom with me. It's the other women who want to discriminate against that mm-hmm. trans woman. Like, that's who I'm afraid of. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, that's who I don't want to be around Just those people. Not uh-huh. the person who identifies as female and wants to be in a space with other people who identify as female. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. I think that's a great note to leave off on. We're going to take a very short break. When we come back, we're going to learn all about the amazing organization that is known known as Turned Out Nation. So we'll be right back. So hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm still here with Jen. And we're going to be talking about something that is definitely, it's now more than ever just so important. I'm going to start off that if you are not registered to vote, get out there. It's so easy. And if you are not sure you're registered to vote, I literally checked like a few weeks ago just to double, just to make sure. It takes 30 seconds to go to vote.org. Everyone, please, it's so important just now more than ever, and just in general, to go out and vote. So we're going to be talking about a very interesting organization that Jen is a part of called Turnout Nation. But before we get into that, I want to talk about where your political activism really began. So I, we talked about a bit before you're, you've traveled the world, you've been all across, you spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia. So how has your, the way, how has you being such like a well-versed traveler seeing so many different countries and so many different ways of governing and uh, affected your views of America as a country?
1: Mm, good question. There's a few parts of that question. So I, I always really liked studying foreign languages when I was a kid. And I think that's kind of what led to my love of travel. And then, um, in terms of activism, kind of stuff or being politi- politically engaged, I don't. I feel like activism is like too. I feel like I'm not doing enough to meet that title. I feel like it's such a high title, but um, I would love to, to be called that. Um, I I always did volunteer work, even starting in high school, and um, and then I went to a pretty politi- pretty politically progressive um, college for undergrad, and I think. Um, where I was sort of really pushed to to think about things on a very progressive level. And so those combined experiences um, kind of led me on a path to to thinking a lot about social justice issues. And um, living overseas, so I spent uh, in total 11 years living overseas. I lived in China, Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. I spent a lot of time in Thailand as well, and I traveled a lot around Southeast Asia. And um, and I worked for uh, local organizations, I were for American organizations, and I worked um, for a while for an Australian company. And so I was just exposed to a lot of people. I've always been a people person. I've always been outgoing. I love talking to people and connecting with people. So I think that's another important aspect. I think the more people you connect with, and the more people's stories you hear, hear, the more empathy it gives you for other people's experiences. And one big thing uh, that living abroad does is it allows you to see your own culture from a different perspective. Um, And so, I mean, I remember in undergrad many moons ago, taking some anthropology courses and talking about this concept of like, you know, your yourself or your own culture and also other cultures. And it's it's very hard to straddle both worlds. There's things that when you're on the inside, you don't notice because to you it's just reality. And this plays into a lot of the conversations when we talk about white privilege that that people don't realize because to them, like their white privilege is just their day to day because they're living as a white person in that world. Whereas when you're not a part of that world from the outside, you can notice things that people on the inside can't see. So we have that with race, we have that with different cultures and nationalities. And so when you spend enough time in another culture, um, you start to see, you see parts of that culture as an outsider. Mm -hmm. you can hopefully, if you really get to know people who are from that country, you can start to see a bit more of that culture as an insider. Although I would say that in places that I lived, there were always parts of the culture that I never fully understood. And I was Mm -hmm. like, this, this, I will never fully understand this, but I'll try my best, you know, um, sort of academically, I guess, to understand it. So I think um, living overseas and being able to experience uh, other people's realities, other cultures, and then really it gives you this space and this ability to better reflect on your own. Mm-hmm. And so when you can do that again you have more empathy, you are more willing to listen to other people's experiences, you're more willing to understand about how theirs are different from your own and you're you're more open to reflecting on that. Mm-hmm.
0: Th- it's super interesting that you bring up I took an I took an anthropology class my first semester, and that's something that we like really had to hammer in the first day, the idea of cultural relativity, where like you can't view one culture as more ev- evolved and more developed as another because it's not it's not native to yourself. It's not something you understand. Mm. So and when you bring up that idea, when you bring up white privilege and we bring up the, the connection between that, it's just it's important to acknowledge that your experience does not reflect the experience of everyone else, and that you are afforded different privileges and benefits that other people who don't, who aren't the same as you, aren't afforded.
1: Exactly, yeah, I think, you know, the more you can connect with other people, the more, and and especially people whose experiences are different, the more Mm -hmm. it builds, Empathy and mm-hmm. um, volunteering with different organizations has always been something I've done. Like I said, I started it in high school, and I've found that um, so it's such a, a beautiful experience in time. And and I've you know, yes, you're giving something back, but you're also learning a lot in the pro- in the process. Mm-hmm. And it's um, you know, volunteer opportunities are a really good way to cross paths and get to know people whose experience are very different from yours because Mm -hmm. it's even even if you're consciously making an effort if you are of a certain um, education level or socioeconomic status the reality is you end up interacting with people um, of your socioeconomic status or your race your education level kind of by the default of some things that you Mm -hmm. do and I found that um, coming together for mission-driven work like a volunteer project is it brings people from all walks of life and and you truly get to know people who have different experiences so that's one Mm -hmm. way i found that's been good you know in the u.s to connect with people um who who share this one common thing that they want to work together towards but but have um very different life experiences Mm -hmm.
0: and so i think it's so like it's so interesting hearing it's so great hearing that perspective just behind because it is really important to just broaden your horizons and like i think of the town i grew up in where it's like such a bubble where everyone is so similar it's it's like a very like stereotypical like upper middle class like new jersey suburb of manhattan and like i look at some of these kids who like fail to acknowledge that this is the position we're in and that we're in this very incredible position and fail to acknowledge that so so many people across the world are not afforded like an ounce of the privilege that you have so like whenever like senior year I would just think of certain people like I fear for what it's gonna be when you go to college you just have such like, a rude awakening to what the world is like
1: mm, yeah yeah college is for a lot of people like their first experience mm-hmm, kind of I know. and even then you're still you know you're still around people who um in some way or another have access to higher education exactly but that, for some people that's still the first taste of something out outside mm-hmm. like a bubble of their hometown
0: oh I had to like explain to one of my friends who like she's from New Jersey but she's from like on the border of Pennsylvania I had to explain to her like I just I went home for one of the high holidays last first semester and I kind of had to explain like oh I'm going home for this reason it's this holiday we do this because she's never met it. I think I was like one of the first Jewish people she ever met mm, yeah so even just experiences like that where it's like something as small as that to just the broad different walks of life it's so important to hear those perspectives perspectives
1: yeah and it's you know it I think it it's just a richer experience when you when you learn about other people when you connect with people that aren't exactly like yourself it's kind of boring Mm -hmm. I would want to just be around myself all the time (laughs) people exactly like me
0: so how did you get involved can before we start talking more about Turnout Nation can you give like a brief summary of what it is and how you got
1: involved Yep, so Turnout Nation is a nonprofit that basically um, our mission is to get more people to vote. And the reason behind that is the more people that engage in this civic process of voting, the better our government represents the people. And so a lot of times when we think about voting and especially right now, we're thinking about the presidential election and, and it might d- change depending on who the president is, but at the end of the day, you know, who gets elected as president may affect you a lot less than who gets elected at a local level. And that's something that so many people don't think about. And so, you know, at the end of the day, if um, 40% of the population votes, the government only represents what that 40% of the population wants. And our mission is to get more people out to the polls so government better represents America. And it truly is government by the people for the people.
0: So how did you start and how did you get involved with this amazing organization?
1: I do. I have um, a lot of years of nonprofit management experience and I've worked in a lot of different industries. I do. um, I've done some stuff in global health when I was international. I've done some stuff um, with refugee and immigrant communities in the U.S. And so um, at the moment for the past like, year and a half, I've been doing contract work and consulting work with some nonprofits and social impact organizations. And I first um, got connected with the founder of this organization. Actually, he is uh, an alum of the same university I went to and I met him at a reunion last year when oh, I no was way. there. So I was in Connecticut mm-hmm. um, at a reunion and uh, met him he used to live in London and one of my best friends in my class here used to live in London Mm -hmm. and they met there through the alumni network and so we bumped into him on campus and we were chatting and he turns out he lives in San Francisco I'm out here in the Bay Area in Oakland so we kept in touch um and then I you know was back I was one of my roles had wrapped up with coronavirus and I was chatting with someone who was involved in in one of the campaigns right now and Mm -hmm. it made me think about the elections and i sent him a note and i said hey how's all your voter turnout stuff going at the moment with the pandemic and we got to talking and he needed someone to help manage a project um basically which we can talk about in a bit but how to get people how to how we can scale up really quickly with these volunteers in our Mm -hmm. network um and so i had a lot of project management experience so i've been working with him on that Mm -hmm.
0: Now you get. Now I will have to admit uh, I was given a bit of background about On Nation mm-hmm. before before recording because I wasn't going to walk into Kim Fude and have no clue my direction to ask. <laughs> but thing that I found very interesting when you sent me that little blurb the other day, and I find and I think it works so well. So where did this idea of the the model for getting ten friends to vote really come from? Because my sister she just signed up to do uh, phone banking for Joe Biden. And I think mm-hmm. of my friends, and I'm very lucky I have a very politically minded friend who, who know this, but I also know plenty of people who aren't, re- who don't want to register to vote, who think that it's almost like a sham and all. And like,
1: mm-hmm. we were
0: talking about before, like, my, uh, my dad, he'll like, hang up or like, yell at the phone bankers for, yeah, yeah, for, uh, yeah. uh, for these campaigns. So where did this model of the 10 friends come from? And can you also explain it a little more?
1: Yeah, so so I'll tell about our model. We the idea is we get a large group of people. We call them captains. And each captain, they're a volunteer and they sign on and they commit to getting 10 friends to vote. And we are nonpartisan, which means that we are not pushing any specific political party or political campaign, we being turnout nation. So we're a non We're trying to get people out to vote. And we're especially trying to get people who are not as well represented and, and often are, like, missed in elections or kind of looked over in our democracy. So we're really trying to reach out to, um, to people who aren't, like, obviously voting. You know, if, if I'm registered with a political party and that political party has my phone number and has mm-hmm. my address and has my email... Obviously, I've given them money before, or I've, you know, clicked on things and given my email address and stuff like that. And right. so those people are likely voters. We're tr- maybe trying to reach more people in the middle. So the way our model works and our method works is, someone, so let's say you, Evan, commits to getting ten friends to vote, at least ten friends to vote. And we don't provide our captains with any script that they have to follow because we want them to have these conversations naturally within the context of their friendship and their existing relationship mm-hmm. and also within the context of how elections affect those people and affect you. And you know, just like you were saying when phone bankers or stuff, even if your dad is like a long time this or a long time that, and you know, he always votes for such and such from this party. Mm-hmm. People don't want to be disrupted by strangers in their phone call. It's like, yeah, I'm voting. Like stop calling. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Whereas if, um, if it's your, if people don't want to hear from a stranger, the messenger really matters. Whereas mm-hmm. if you have a conversation with a friend and you just say, Hey, I'm, um, I'm getting some stuff organized for the election. I'm helping my brother and sister get registered because they moved. And um, I've committed to helping getting 10 friends to vote. Are you, you know, I thought I'd ask you, are you planning to vote? Do you know if you're registered to vote? Something like that. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, when those prompts come from someone you know, a lot of times when people answer the phone from strangers, and when we talk about what happened in 2016 and the polling Mm -hmm. data, it was because people maybe weren't giving totally honest answers Mm -hmm. on the phone. And so here, we're really trying to leverage the power of personal relationships, because as I said, the messenger matters. And so we've done without going too boring into the um, data science of it, but we've done randomized controlled trials with this method. And it's shown statistically significant um, increase in voter turnout for those people who were on a list of 10 contacts of a friend versus those people who weren't. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's some people call this method like relational organizing because you're organizing based on um, personal relationships. But that's effectively what we're doing. So in our network, we have captains. Each captain commits to getting at least 10 friends to vote. Mm -hmm. And then we have people that we call organizers who help support a group of 15 captains. And they are um, important glue that helps hold the organization together. We everything, we have an app that we use. So it's all super simple. It's organized on an app. And we work in a couple specific key battleground states, and we will send out all the reminders and all the materials that people need. So at the moment, Georgia is one of the states that we're working in. Their voter registration deadline is October 5th. So that is 45 days away. So as much as you hear right now about the elections, you know, 75 days away or something, mm-hmm. the reality is in a lot of states, if you miss that deadline, that's 45 days away and you're not registered, that's it. You're done. Mm-hmm. You can't vote. There's no getting past it. So we'll send out reminders via the app. Hey, voter registration deadline is uh, is October 5th. You know, as we get closer, we'll be like, it's one week away. If any of your friends on your list of 10 still aren't registered, just check in, check in. They send them a text. They can mark in the app whether they're registered or not. Mm-hmm. And then we, after that date passes, we go into the next step. You know, check with your friends. Are they planning on mailing in their ballot or voting mm-hmm. in person? And we're really trying to capture people. You know, like I said, there's the people who are super politically active who are always going to vote. I've always voted. In every election, even when I lived abroad, you know, I sent something all the way from literally the other side of the world. So I'm not the I'm not the demographic we're trying to target. Right. Then there's people who are like really adamant about not voting, oh. which is frustrating. But you know what? If that's your stick, like go with it. You know, maybe don't pick them.
0: But if you mm-hmm. have people,
1: I have some friends that like. Aren't, aren't like super politically active, but there's a lot of things that you vote for that affect their lives. Anyone who has mm-hmm. kids, like the school board elections matter. Um, anyone who suffers from racial profiling from the police, that's your local elections. You know, people mm-hmm. local officials, they decide on police budgets, they decide on school budgets, they decide on taxes, all those things. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking to a friend and a friend points these things out to you, like, hey, there's a lot at stake in this election. You know, it's really powerful to vote Mm -hmm. Let me know if I can help you. Someone is more likely to say, okay, yeah, like send me, send me the link to register to vote, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's step one. And if you get them to do that, then they're registered. And then you just, you put something in their mind. You say, yeah, I'm thinking about I'm pr- I'm probably gonna do mail-in ballot this year. I think I don't wanna wait in line. Or in Georgia, they have early voting for a few weeks. Like, and if you ask someone, hey, do you have a plan around voting? Do you think you're gonna vote in person or the mail-in ballot? It just makes them think about something that maybe they hadn't put that much thought in
0: before. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk you we talked about about this a little bit, and I definitely think it's like that wanna like really emphasize. I think it's so important to emphasize, you know, fun fact of the day. There are two states in this country that have an election every single year, one of them being New Jersey, so go the Garden State, we're Ooh. special, and Virginia's the other one. Okay. So, and we talked about, like I said, we talked about this a bit, the power of the vote. I, It's just so important. I think it's so monumental that people don't even realize today. Like, there are some people like, oh, my vote doesn't count, my vote doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if you want to look at mm-hmm. it at the broader scale and you want to only look at the presidential election where... right. Yes, yes, your vote counts. And the pop but the popular vote has also failed us many times, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Not many times, only I think hasn't there only been
1: like the Electoral College. Um, well the first election that I was eighteen in was two thousand and oof, that was oof. the first George Bush one. And that was also he lost the popular vote but won uh-huh. the Electoral College uh-huh. and then again in two thousand sixteen. Um But yeah, it's super important. And actually, I mean, this isn't uh, immediately on the horizon for November, but people vote even less in primaries than they Mm -hmm. do in general elections. And in some ways, the primaries are more important And if we think about candidates who are Um, make headlines because they're not, you know, at the end of the day, like a lot of 80% of the candidates kind of fall into this like middle threshold where they're center, center, left, or center, right. Mm -hmm. But you get candidates like Alexandria Mm Ocasio-Cortez and she won because people came out to the primaries. I mean, she was in a heavily democratic district. So it was like the Democrat was always going to win in the general election. But she kind of said, this guy has been in this position for a while. Does he really represent the people here? Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to fight and, and get on the ballot. And she went out and she organized and she got people out to the primaries. Mm-hmm. And getting people out to the primaries, I mean, the primaries in some way are, are more important because that's who you choose who's going to represent you. And so exactly. that's really how you get people. If you want really progressive people, you've got to show up in mm-hmm. the primaries because that's the shot when really progressive people have to get on the ballot. And if you're in an exactly. area that's a certain way, I mean, she's in New York city, New York city is very blue. It's always been very blue. So, you know you know going into the general election that the democrats probably going to win so if you get mm-hmm. a very progressive democrat that beats the kind of center democrat in the primary that's how you get people in there and it's the same thing on the right as well this is how we get exactly. different, different voices is, mm-hmm. is showing up at the primaries and and if people show up even less at the primaries than they do at the general election
0: mm-hmm. i think you definitely bring up an interesting point because like I mean obviously I'm going to lean more towards the far left on the political spectrum. I went out for this is my first this is the first year I can vote cuz I um mm. I was eight, I was 18 in 2018 but I was too late to I was December so I'm not only mm. was too young to vote in November but I also couldn't even be registered. So my yeah. first like formal version version of voting this year was back in June when I did the primary and I mm. knew that my uh house rep was being challenged by a more progressive person who I aligned with. I voted for her. Unfortunately she didn't get she didn't beat our incumbent, but still it's like it's important like it's important to go out Yeah and vote for the people who represent you you, not only in the general election, but also in the primary. And totally whether or not you're in the bluest area of like Portland, Oregon, where they're like serving you cold brew in a mason jar on every (laughs) street corner. Or you're yeah. like in the middle of like yeehaw alabama like yeah. vote for people who represent you whether you are mm-hmm. far left, far right, center, whatever yeah. it's important to And the to primary is
1: Yeah, the primary is the starting ground for that because that's where you have really a full spectrum of candidates. Once you get down to the general election, because of our system, you have two people, maybe three if there's an independent oh. who um you know who's gotten who's gotten in there and has enough of a following and has gotten enough attention but at the end of the day like the primary is where you have the most diverse range of candidates in terms of the diversity of their political beliefs
0: mm-hmm. um so
1: that's where you can get more interesting people on the ballot so you know in a lot of ways primaries are um are really important almost more important than mm-hmm. the general election or they're at least that first step
0: exactly. to getting people
1: in the general uh-huh. election who have a wider range of views.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. It's, that's the first step in getting the people who, uh, who can represent your voice
1: mm-hmm.
0: to the most specific degree. So you talk about how you joined, uh, you joined Turnout Nation to work on a specific project. So why don't you enlighten our listeners about this really cool project you're working on
1: Yeah, so we are building our network right now. We're actively building up our network of captains and organizers that I mentioned before. So captains commit to getting 10, at least 10 friends to vote. Organizers help support a group of 15 captains and Turnout Nation provides you all the resources that you need, our app, we have state specific voter guides. Some states are better than others. Recently, I've been working a lot on voter guides for Georgia and Pennsylvania and like digging up the info has been very different and interesting in those two states. Mm -hmm. to just compare how accessible info is in in some states versus others. Um, But we provide the resources. We provide timelines. We provide these things that we call call to actions where we, you know, kind of blast out a notification on the app, like voter registration deadline is coming up. Check in on your friends. You know, make them, even if they think they're registered, like in Georgia, for example, they clear the polls pretty often. So if you've been voted mm-hmm. in about three years, you might have been deregistered. So we talked about it. I just people, saw a like, headline about
0: that actually. Yeah,
1: they they deregister like hundreds of thousands of people every year. So um so it's important, it's important to to have those reminders. So I am I've been working on the past month and a half basically building up this structure to rapidly scale up and have a mm-hmm. bunch of captains trained and onboarded and get to work and a bunch of volunteer organizers as well. And the cool thing is, I mean, for people that are organizers, if you commit to this and mm-hmm. you give it, it's just a few hours a week between now and election day, checking in on your captain saying, you know, hey, I noticed that you got like three more people registered that weren't registered before, that's so awesome, giving them a the support. Um, you effectively are amplifying your impact by 150 times because you're working with 15 captains, they're each getting 10 friends to vote. And if all those people vote and all those people were like a bit iffy on voting, Mm-hmm. You know, and you'll know at the end because the captains will say, like, yeah, so and so sent their mail-in ballot in. So the captains, you know, are keeping track of it. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, really amazing to know. Hey, I hope facilitate ensuring that 150 people got mm-hmm. to the polls. And if we have hundreds of captains, and I mean thousands of captains, and hundreds of organizers, and we're scaling that up. That's a lot more people getting to the polls. So it's really exciting. And this is, I mean, this is a such a pivotal election.
0: Oh my god.
1: I'm. Thirty-eight. So I've been around for a few elections, but like my parents are seventy, and even they say, you know, this is one of the most pivotal elections of my lifetime, and they've been around for a long time. And mm-hmm. so, when you look back at two thousand sixteen down the road, when you're older, if you, you know, help us out as an organizer and you're able to say, hey, I was out there like pounding the pavement in the or figurative sense, because obviously we're all mm-hmm. stuck inside most of the time, but I was out there like pounding the pavement. Doing this methodology, which has been shown in randomized control trials to work, helping to get people to vote and helping to get underrepresented people to vote, um, you can look back and say, you know, I I played a part. I did what I could mm-hmm. do. I made a difference. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, we are recruiting captains in a few states. Um, we, just, we just had a bunch of meetings this, meet, this week to expand to a bunch of states. We're starting in Georgia and Pennsylvania. We're adding captains to more states now. Um, we're focusing on battleground states for now with captains because those states are obviously really going to make a difference in the presidential election, but we're accepting captains in other states as well. And then organizers, if someone's interested in being an organizer for us, they can be anywhere and they will oversee a group of captains or help support a group of captains in a single state. So we mm. won't make an organizer have people all over the country we will say, you know, right. you got, you're going to work with 15 captains in Georgia. We're going to give you all the info you need on Georgia. You don't need to worry about Pennsylvania. We might spend in Michigan and North Carolina. Um, you don't need to worry about those states. You've got people in these states. You only need to worry about the deadlines and the regulations and stuff mm-hmm. in that state.
0: And for, so our listeners, where we are. for our listeners out there who want to either become a captain organ or an organizer, where can they go to sign up or get in yep. touch with Turnout Nation?
1: They can go to our website, turnoutnation.org. So it's T-U-R-N-O-U-T, nation.org. And all they have to do is enter their phone number or their email and we'll get in touch. We'll give them a link to download the app. Um, We'll give them, we conduct a short training. We can do a live Zoom training, We do pre-recorded training. And we also have like instructional videos of how to use the app and stuff. So once they sign Mm -hmm. up, we give them materials, we empower them We say, you know, give them state voter resources guides, and and they're pretty much off to the races. And we're also, at the moment, I will mention that we are doing a, um, on social media, we're at Turnout Nation on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and we're doing, we just launched a TikTok challenge to try and get more people to register to vote, and we're specifically targeting people who are age 25 and under. We have cash prizes. All you have to do is basically make a video about registering the vote, um use our hashtags and uh just send us a, a dm kind of with your name and then you're entered you can win up to 500 um for making a fun tiktok video about registering pretty, to vote, challenging friends to register to vote and their so uh-huh. tiktok's at turnout nation as well
0: yes i recommend and i hope all of you and that's a great that's a pretty penny for all the cause i think my i think my audience is a lot of college students
1: 500 yeah 500 bucks is, is, that's a yeah Excuse my There's voice a $500 crack, prize, a $300 prize, and a $200 prize. So mm. any of those are helpful if you want to find at Turnout Nation on TikTok. We've posted a couple of videos. We just launched the account. We just launched a challenge. We posted a couple of videos with the instructions and the rules on the challenge. And it's up to you. The creativity, use whatever you want. Make a video about registering to vote. And even if you are... Um, Already registered, or you're you are under eighteen, you can get someone else to register. Mm-hmm. Um, and we encourage you to get a couple of people to register, make a video about it, um, post it on TikTok, use our hashtags, mm-hmm. and yeah, you can win. That's a lot of um, lunch that you um, can get with people yes. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Just circle back.
0: Listen, actual unfold-
1: lunch, actual sandwiches, actual break.
0: lunch instead of um, going to the local. Since um, most places still don't have bars that we all enter legally. To go to you can get uh you can get lots of lunch or yeah. if you're in a state where they are for some idiotic reason open <laughs> to each their own just make sure you're wearing a mask
1: yeah
0: even though people probably aren't in those states
1: it depends where uh, you are yeah uh-huh. very state by state i'm uh, glad I'm in california
0: <laughs> or you could oh my god i mean have you seen all these influencers in like la being stupid That's a whole other oh yeah, I'm in.
1: Nor- people are a little more rule-abiding in the San Francisco area, mm-hmm. so like than LA, and we're more closed down up here. I think. That's LA, good. So.
0: That's yeah. great to hear. So, unfortunately, I think we have to wrap up again. Know, so, for people so who want so to get on
1: the chat,
0: I know. So, people who want to get involved, it is at turnoutnation.org. Turnout Nation on all social media platforms.
1: All social media, Facebook, Instagram. Mm -hmm. Instagram's great too, because we're posting a lot of like different interesting stuff about election and election facts that people don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. Facebook, if you're a Facebook user, I think most college-age students now are not Facebook users (laughs) older demographic. Um, But Instagram and TikTok Mm -hmm. um, and turnoutnation.org, And yeah, do go win 500 bucks, make a video. I Uh, made my first ever TikTok video. It was actually (laughs) really fun, so.
0: TikTok is fun. If I can do
1: it, people that younger than me definitely can do
0: it. You'll think of something creative. Exactly. It's all for an amazing cause. Whether you register an independent, you register for Democrat, Republican, make sure you register to vote. There are plenty of resources, the most general. Obviously, you can go to turnonnation.org for more. You can go to their social media to read more. You can keep up with just general news sources. You can also go to vote.org to check to see Mm -hmm. if you are registered.
1: Yeah, that'll direct you to whatever your state's um, Mm -hmm. regulation. So vote.org is a great one. It -hmm. takes, takes, like Evan said, literally 30 seconds.
0: Uh I did it to double check to see if I was registered to vote. I literally found I was so quick. It was so easy. It was so painless make sure you are registered to vote by your state's deadline that can all be looked up make sure you register for your absentee ballot or mail-in ballot there is a difference i found out recently
1: there is a difference in uh yeah in some states so mail-in yeah absentee ballots all states have always had like for me i'm actually still registered Mm. to vote in pennsylvania where i grew up because i lived abroad for so many years and i Uh stayed registered there and i'll change it after this federal election because in california there's so much local stuff that Mm -hmm. that i want to have my voice in Mm -hmm. but um yeah an absentee ballot i you know i'm out of the state and they'll send it to me whereas a mail-in ballot now they're making it a lot more relaxed you don't need a specific reason to request it Mm -hmm. whereas an absentee ballot it's like i'm going to be absent on election day i needed reason to request it so it depends on your state um a lot of states are offering mail-in ballot options though not all of them but a lot of them so check out what your your Mm -hmm. things are and more important than ever we're talking about post office at the beginning just request it now. I already requested my Pennsylvania ballot. It's gonna get sent out in September. I'm gonna fill it out and send it right back. The earlier, the better.
0: If you're in Malibu, maybe Cher is gonna bring you your mail-in ballot. Yeah, I mean, like, that there's is a another gam-
1: reason. Uh, if you are incentive, in, that
0: is a gamble I would so take to see. Just maybe like knock at the door. Here's your mail, even though it's definitely not how it works. But like knock at the door. They're sharing like a Bob Mackie beaded gown. Seeing so turn you back go. time and give you your mail mail and ballot. Or maybe the best ballot up. you
1: ever filled out. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: that would be a Jen, thank you so much. Thank and you for
1: chatting. And I look uh-huh. forward to um maybe one day again soon you and I can gallivant around vintage yes. clothing stores in Florence and find yes. cheap vintage Gucci bags or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you so much. And
0: everyone tune in next week for another amazing episode of Let's Get Lunch. Bye. Bye.